welcome to the uh, final Bible study over Ecclesiastes. Um, my name is Andrew Young. I'm the minister to students here at FBC Keller, and uh, I'm honored to bring to you the uh, teaching podcast this week. Um, we are finishing up um, this book of Ecclesiastes. We've walked through it. Um, I taught last week on chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, and then this week we're looking at the end of the book, um, a little bit of 11, but mostly at chapter 12, which kind of brings everything together. So um, let me pray, and we'll, we'll jump into it. Lord, we ask you, um, Father, to, um, to open our minds and our hearts right now, Father, towards you and your word. We pray that your word would speak boldly into our lives. It is, is living and active, Father. It dives deep into our bone and our marrow, Father, and you change us from within. And so I pray that today this would be um, edifying, this would change us. Uh, the words um, that are spoken through Ecclesiastes would encourage us, Father, to walk with you. And so I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 14 today. So as you're kind of flipping through your Bible, um, my main point this morning or in this podcast is uh, we can enjoy life despite death if we turn to God through Jesus Christ. We can enjoy life despite death if we turn to God through Jesus Christ. And I believe that this is kind of broken into two sections here. Uh, the first is um, um, 1 through 8, kind of again a little bit of 11, but verses 1 through 8. We'll look at um, remembering your Creator and to trust Him in your youth. And then the last sections are really just this center point on God. And as we kind of take it to the context of today as as Christians, but everything is meaningless without Jesus. And so um, we are in this final chapter. Um, Solomon has shared his view of life. He has given deep wisdom. He has dived deep into many hard questions. But we end the book with this last question. How can I have joy in the face of aging and death? And it's kind of a little bit similar to what we've talked about in chapter 9. Um, but he's really bringing out some roots and some imagery and later on some poetry that really shows some imagery of this. And so um, being young, it's it's a valuable thing. When we're young or when we were young or right now while you're young, um, we don't we didn't think much of the future. Um, we don't contemplate death when we're in our youth. We felt like we had a lot of time to get to that point and we ignore the reality. Um, the one big reminder of that reality is that we age. Every year our body ages and gets older to remind us of this stark reality. While at the same time, our culture highlights youthfulness. You see it in movies, you see it in media, um, and gives us many ways to hide it or even delay the aging process. Um, example, Botox, right? But nevertheless, um, aging finally catches us and we all face the great equalizer, which is death. So as we talked about last week, death is not a bad thing, especially for the Christian. Um, and in wisdom, we should, not, we should live our lives in contemplation of that death, understanding we only have a set number of days. We should enjoy them and live them with all we have for the glory of the Lord. So I feel that to really capture the picture of what Solomon is getting to in this last chapter, we, we really need to look at the few verses before in chapter 11, um, before we read into chapter 12. But um, 
Remember our first point. Remember your creator and trust him in your youth. So let's read from chapter 11, uh, verses 7 through 10, and then we'll read chapters 12, 1 through Uh, chapter 12, 1 through 8. So here we go in verse 7 of 11. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors of the street are shut, and with the sound of the grinding is low, and the one rises up to the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. And they are afraid also of what is high. The terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. And desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Well, there's a lot going on here. Like I said, there's a little bit of poetry. Um, there's a lot of, of the same idea being taught here. Um, but the question, how can I have joy in the face of aging and death? So let's work through this text. When we look at chapter 11, verses 7 and 8, Solomon starts to talk about this um, this version of light and darkness, right? It says, light is sweet and pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, and all that comes is vanity. So Solomon's reminder is this, to enjoy life. It's it's just been reoccurring theme here. Enjoy the life that you have. Being alive under the sun is sweet, We have seen Solomon really go both ways with this throughout the book. Living under the sun is terrible. Living under the sun is sweet. So why the difference, though? Well, the one who lives life with joy, who finds that joy, it's because they understood and contemplated death. That's where that joy is found. They have rejoiced at life by remembering the days of darkness that is to come. In the face of death, they've understood and contemplated it all. And more than likely, as we see later in the chapter, we find real true joy. We find that true joy because they've lived their life for the Lord, for God, and for His glory. Um, He moves into verses 9 and 10, where he encourages the youth to walk in the ways of your heart and your eyes, knowing God will bring you into judgment still. But again, we enjoy life and the opportunities you have now that others do not have. We live this way, but we also keep in mind that God will judge your actions and how you lived that life. 
In verse 10, he says, In order to fully enjoy life, we must set aside the things that weigh us down, that pull us down, that take us away from the goal. So what does he say? He says, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. So two things here, he says, remove vexation which or sorrow. Do not stay in a state of dread, but instead what? What's the thing? Enjoy the gift of life. And number two, he says, put away the pain from your body, which translation in that means evil. When he's talking about pain, he's talking about evil, which in other words, he's also talking about sin, right? The things that weigh us down. Um, the things that we need to put away, which are evil, which bring pain, um, when we put those things away, when we walk away from those things and walk towards things that are good and righteous and holy, this leads to an enjoyment of life. Um, So remove the sorrow, put away the pain, the things that are evil, and you see true joy found. Now you may be listening, you may be thinking, well, I'm past being considered a youth. I'm not young, I have children, Or maybe I even have grandchildren. So this text really isn't for me. Well, I would say true, the point of that is true, but not necessarily that you can't really see how this applies to your life. Um, This term youth doesn't mean 16. The point of this is really to live our lives in joy because we have contemplated death. You could be 30, 40, 60 years old and still be in the goal of living your life with joy because you've contemplated death. In the face of death, we are still young. We are still in our youth because we have time. We have opportunity. And you listening as a Christian still can have joy in life as we live for the Lord. Um, It isn't until you have died that your life is over. I've just been reminded what Paul always stated in the New Testament. We push forward until we have finished the race. We can see wisdom from the text, and at least very practically from these last verses in chapter 11, that what helps this is removing sorrow and putting away the sin in our lives, walking towards the Lord. Um, Those things, sorrow and sin, don't allow us to have joy in this life. Um, We do need the Lord, though. We need His help. We need His wisdom. We need Him to be in a part of everything that we do, but that also involves us putting action and moving towards that goal in our very lives, and seeing that in spite of death, in face of death, I still have an opportunity in my youth to serve the Lord and to find joy in this life. So now we walk up to chapter 11, and as you hear verse 1, you'll think, this sounds familiar. So verse 1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. I mean, this sounds familiar, right? This is the same wisdom Solomon has been pointing towards. However, he has added something into the mix. I mean, we've added the things into the mix as we've walked through this, but he has now made something very clear. We enjoy life, and as we face death, well, I'll say this, we really enjoy life when we contemplate and face death, but we really enjoy life when we remember our Creator. So, what does remember our Creator mean for our lives? Well, it means trusting Him. It means obeying Him, faithfully walking with Him daily. This includes teaching your family about Him. We can go back and look at Deuteronomy 6. Um, 
that God is one and we are to talk about him when we wake up, when we sleep, when we move, everything that we do, uh, it should include the teaching and the talking of the Lord. So teaching your kids, your grandkids are all part of this remembering your creator. Uh, see, I told you these, these youth passages don't mean 16. They just mean that you have the opportunity to change and live your life in face of death. And each of our lives can be found in joy when we are remembering our Creator and living life for Him. And we must find this joy before the evil days come. So we've touched on what Solomon means by this in chapter 9 last week. But the evil days are our death. They are evil because it was brought on by the greatest evil to ever happen, sin. We are not created... We were not created to die, but to live to bring glory to God. But our sin has consequences, and in its great evil is that we all die to sin. So to showcase this point, Solomon turns to what um, I would I would call apocalyptic poetry. Um, it sounds pretty wonderful, right? This is something that you should really read to your spouse on your anniversary, but um, no, don't do that. But this is what he's trying to bring out and, and show examples of and show great imagery of in his, in his wisdom. So as you read verses 2 through 7, all of this represents the end of the world that is to come. Death is coming. The end of our lives is coming. Um, but why would Solomon share it this way? Instead of just point blank, here it is, like he's been doing the entire time, why move into this, this um, way of, of poetry? Well, as painful and tough as it is to fathom and contemplate, the purpose of this poetry is clear. Um, death sting is a call to action. To remember God now, to remember your Creator, um, helps to avoid a life of regret. Now, maybe he just felt like, I'm just going to do this my way, just like we see many authors in, in Scripture have the way that they write, and they, they bring their personality into Scripture, all led by the Spirit. But... The poetry is, is very, very clear that it is a call to action. We don't want to live a life in regret. We want to say that we lived all of our life enjoying the Lord and glorifying the Lord in what we did, teaching our children, obeying Him, walking with Him in every aspect that we can. So there's so much imagery and detail in these verses, but in its essence, each verse, each passage here is specifically calling to an area of our physical body and life that will begin to shut down and pass away as we face death. So verse 2 says the lights will go out, and this could possibly mean the loss of an eye or mental powers as we start to break down. Verse 3 and 4 talk about our senses and the motor skills begin to leave our bodies. We begin to slow down in the way we think of things. Verse 5 talks about a fear of heights and falling, a lack of strength, courage, um, and a fear that our physical body isn't going to hold up. And then we move to verse 6, where he gives some examples of of these images of water, right? They're all associated with water. Uh, This cord, a bowl, a pitcher, and a wheel are all depicted to soon shatter or break or be destroyed or snap. Um, and what these are trying to associate with with water is life, and that life will eventually go, will be gone, and that life has gone out. Um, so what is the what is the outcome of this? Well, you look at verse seven, and it says, "And then the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it." 
So the outcome of all men and women who have been created because of the fall is that we will all return to dust. Um, We came from dust, and to dust we will again go. And so the Spirit, and then our Spirit will go to its Creator. And so we will face what the Bible was, or this passage was talking about. We will face the Lord and be with the Lord in judgment. And um, um, that's that's what will happen to our physical bodies and our spirit. In verse 8, he kind of just wraps up the entire book of Ecclesiastes again. We could call it the book of vanity of vanities, but the preacher says that. It is the vanity of vanities and all is vanity under the sun. So the purpose is clear. Death sting is a call to action to remember God now and remember your creator now and avoid a life of regret. Um, trust him in your youth. So it moves us to the second point with these last few verses from 9 to 14 um, with some encouragement for the Christian um, that everything in life is meaningless without Jesus. But in that same um, meaning there, that means life is full of meaning with him. So let's read chapter 12, 9 through 14. It says, Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. And the preacher sought to find the words of delight, and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings, and they are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So Solomon wrote this book to shepherd as a preacher to the assembly with words that are pleasing, with words that are true, convicting, um, and wise. And he wrote as a preacher to this congregation in this light. Um, He says really key things like, I taught the people knowledge weighing and studying, arranging many proverbs with great care and and sought to find words of delight. So he he did this with joy in his heart um, as the preacher. Um, Verse 9 and 10, these words at times, though, are hard to hear. I mean, just the last two weeks of me studying this and talking specifically about death and the end of life, they're hard things to talk about. Yet the intention and the points were full of truth and life, and they were needed to be said. For us to understand these things. Um, in verse 11, he says, the words of the preacher are like goads, nails firmly fixed. And so these were these things that were used to firmly direct cattle. You would kind of prod or or, or, or poke these cattle down the right path. Um, so for us, the connection to cattle is not an awesome thing for us to see. We've, we've, we've been already in the Bible, we see us talked about like sheep and goats. And here we are also talked about like cattle. But uh the point of this is love is shown in correction. Love is shown when we discipline, and God disciplines us because He loves us, because He cares for us, um, as Solomon does for his people. He loves them so much, God loves us so much, Solomon loves his people so much that he would help correct and help them see joy in each of their lives. And each pastor's heart is to help our people direct and have them find this joy from the word of, of God. Um, so in verse 12, he kind of shifts a little bit and he directs his talk here directly to his son, um, but we can take some stuff from this. He says, he addresses his son directly, he says, you don't need to find 
Um, he says, Beware of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. He says, You don't need to find any other viewpoint on these things. I've done the study. I've shared in my wisdom. The Holy Spirit has led me to write these things and give these things to you um, from the Lord on these certain subjects and topics. Um, these words are sufficient. There's no need to go anywhere else, that the word is sufficient. Um, we don't need to study on these so whole, or study other places to find the answers for these. This is the place. This is the sufficiency of God's word. So hold fast to them. Um, verse 13 and 14, um, we get to the end of it. Now, I, I always find there's slight humor in these last two verses because I often wonder why Solomon, in his wisdom, didn't just begin the book with these two verses and um, he ends he ends it this way. Maybe that's just the big climax, and um, he's trying to get to the point. But he says this, For the whole point of life is this, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, this also implies a little more, too, because this states that we haven't been fearing God and following His commands, because He's commanding us to do so. So, therefore, our life at times may feel like we have no joy. Um, or feel like we have no purpose, or feel like we may not understand why we are here. Um, and what Solomon is trying to encourage the believer through all of this, and then to hit and highlight this at the end of the book, is to say, this is where we find our joy of life. Fearing God by trusting, obeying, faithfully walking with Him, talking about Him with your family, um, and keeping His commandments, to put off sorrow, to turn away from sin and repent of it, and in a 180, turn toward His righteousness, His word that is sufficient. And all these things, you'll find joy and enjoy life as we face death, as we have this time to honor and glorify God. So we see that everything is meaningless without Jesus, which brings me to a greater point that we are sinners. We see him ask us and command us to fear God and keep His commandments, and the implication there is we haven't been. Um, and that would call us to be sinners, as Romans 3.23 says, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And if left in our sin, we would face the penalty of death without hope. Everything would be meaningless. But one came into the world greater than Solomon, who is the wisdom of God, and his name was Jesus, is Jesus. He perfectly lived out this wisdom and lived a perfect, sinless life to pay our costly penalty of sin. And He, at the right time, gave His life sacrificially on the cross to atone and cover our sin debt. And through His death, burial, and resurrection, we now have His imputed righteousness, which is that God sees us as He sees His Son, Jesus. And with that great reconciliation back to God and making things right for us, we now have hope. We have life, an abundant life now, but an eternal life with the Lord forever. And to live with joy in this life as we face death, but hope for eternity to be with Jesus, our Savior. So life is meaningful. Life can be meaningful or is purposeful in our identity because Jesus reconciled us to the creator of life and gives us the ability to be wise or to apply that to our life. We find satisfaction in God alone and nothing else. Everything else would be the vanity of vanities. Everything else would be, there's nothing new under the sun, but 
in God, in Christ alone, we find true satisfaction and therefore our joy. Um, he gives us more than this world has anything to offer. And in Him, we find our true meaning. So I pray, uh, those of you listening, that you place your trust in Jesus alone for salvation. We are called to repent and believe. And it is in Him that we can enjoy life despite death and in contemplation of it. It is in Him that we have hope.